just dropped in to say hi. Hello everyone and welcome to Stuff to Watch, the podcast that takes the stress out of streaming. I'm James Crute and in just 10 minutes I'll help you make the most of your viewing time. My expert guests this week are Bridget Jones. Hello. And first time pundit, Kylie Klein-Nixon. Hi. Bridget, how would you describe your viewing habits? Right now I am still deep into Love Island, which I can't stop watching despite my feminist leanings and I hate myself. What about you, Kylie? I'm not really a a reality TV person at all. I'm like, if it's got dragons, I'm there. If it's got 20-somethings in bikinis, I'm as far away from it as I can possibly be. Let's start today by getting our teeth into what we do in the shadows. Now, this is the TV spin-off from Taika Waititi and Jermaine Clement's vampire mockumentary, which was set in Wellington. Now it's Staten Island in New York. Fourth season has just dropped on Neon with new episodes coming to us Every Thursday at lunchtime, Kylie, what did you think? I thought we might pick up this season with the gang out on their travels out in the world, which is where we left off in season three, but we don't. It's as if none of that ever happened and they never left, which is kind of the joke, I guess. These guys are stuck in time and they never change. Or do they? Because um, when Nadia, Nandor and Guillermo come home, it's to discover Laszlo, played by the immortal Matt Berry, has let things go a little bit. The vampire mansion is absolutely trashed. Now, I don't want to give away too many of the jokes, except to say that one of the best additions to what we do in the Shadows universe has always been emotional vampire Colin Robinson. Now, he died at the end of season three, only to be reborn as a sort of really messed up baby. So coming into season four, he may still be the best thing about the show. That is the baby Colin Robinson, I assume. I can mold this boy into the most interesting adult there has ever been. He really loves musical theatre. What have the dark... Lord Roth. It still feels fresh, and I'm not at all surprised it's picked up Emmy Nobs for outstanding comedy and writing. It's a show that just keeps on giving, and I'm 100% here for it. I love a lot about this, but what did you think, Bridget? I mean, I'm a huge fan of the original film, uh, one of the greatest Kiwi films that's ever been made, and I love how they've taken this to the small screen. I think it's different enough. It's still got the quirk and, and the character that you'd expect from, you know, the great Taika Waititi, but it keeps rolling on to these weird, funny, crazy scenarios that keep playing out with these undead friends of ours. Um, It just keeps getting better and better. It has that rare double whammy of not only trans boarding a, a cinematic movie into a TV show, but also, you know, successfully transplanting something from another country, as in New Zealand, into America. That does not happen very often. But let's move from shocks to frocks and the latest in a very long line of Jane Austen adaptations. This time, it's Persuasion on Netflix. I almost got married once. There were no two souls more in rhythm than Wentworth and I. I hear the script isn't entirely faithful to the uh, 1817 novel, is it, Bridget? I have not read the book, so Austin Purist, please do not come for me. What I have done, though, is watch this easily enjoyable film and felt all the feelings. Well, some of the feelings anyway, because if I'm honest, this small screen tale of spurned love coming back again, it's over a little too soon. When the credits started to roll watching this, I thought I had accidentally skipped or slept through a large part of the film. I hadn't. It was just a very speedy breeze through Jane Austen's tale, uh, and it could have lingered a little longer for me. Dakota Johnson plays Anne Elliot, who broke things off with a spunky sailor named Wentworth about eight years ago because her family said he wasn't rich enough to marry her. Now he's back, and he's got cash. 
She still loves him, but does he still love her? There's other people in the mix. You get the idea. It's one of those twisted tales. Johnson is good in everything she does. Do not hold Fifty Shades of Grey against this woman. She just has a habit of being poorly used in films. And sadly, this is no exception. She's the best part of it, without a doubt. She's fun. She's sad. She's long full. She's got great hair. The depth of the story isn't there, though, which seems a shame and a waste for such a classic tale. A lot has been said about the fleabagification of this movie, breaking the fourth wall, talking to the audience. I didn't hate it. I think when you're trying to scoot through such a classic novel in about 90 minutes, sometimes those silly asides can actually be a really good signpost for a modern audience who maybe aren't really paying full attention like you would if you're sitting in a cinema or if you're watching you know, a long, drawn-out BBC adaptation of you know, 72 hours. So watch it, fall in love with the English countryside, and then maybe read the book if you're so inclined. Kylie, do you think this is a victim of the Bridgerton effect? Do we now need something a bit saucier from our period dramas? I'm not sure that Austen is best served by that Bridgerton fleabag makeover because we lose a lot of that nuance in the sense of this having been a world where the rules and the restrictions are just completely different. But it looked beautiful and the performances were beautiful. And the thing that I really liked was that I felt that chemistry between Dakota Johnson and Cosmo Jarvis. Like the whole time I was just like, pash, you idiots. We should say that he plays Wentworth, who is the spunky sailor, love of her life. Yeah. Look, I I think Dakota Johnson is having a brilliant year. But I think what you said earlier, Bridget, is probably the key to this. And that's the fact that we've gotten so used to these things being told as series that having a one-off movie leaves you feeling a little bit empty about it all. Let's move on to our third show today, and it's The Old Man on Disney+. Plus. But is it any good, Kylie? Well, if I had to sum it up in one sentence, I'd call it a boomer power fantasy about the US's foreign policy chickens coming home to roost. Um, it could have been just another anti-establishment actioner, like a geriatric Jack Reacher, but it's elevated above all that by Jeff Bridges' performance as the titular old man Dan Chase. Now, Chase is living his quiet life out in the, the Midwest somewhere when we meet him. His wife has died, his daughter's grown up and moved away, and he's kind of moping about on his own with his two dogs in his beautiful house, um, until one day his past catches up with him. Hello? Hey, kid, it's me. They found me. Now, it turns out in a former life, he was a CIA operative who did some very bad things. And now he has to go on the run again. They're up there on his tail. They're after him. I've seen a lot of people saying this is a bog standard political thriller, but actually it's got a lot of really strange tonal things happening. Like there's a lot of unnerving sort of horror elements in the first episode that I was not prepared for. And it sort of changes the way you see the whole show. Look, I think it's great that we've finally got a a Jeff Bridges TV show. And I also love that he has a nemesis in the form of John Lithgow. Yeah, of course. There's this grudging, you know, respect between the two of them. and, And also their pasts are so intermingled and so murky that they both have reasons not to want the truth to come out. My feeling is if you enjoyed Homeland then you'll really enjoy this. I mean, I'm not saying that Jeff Bridges is a 72-year-old version of Carrie Matheson, but there's something about him that just reminded me of that whole drivenness and also that it's a complicated character. It's not someone who necessarily has a simple past. Let's move on to Virgin River on Netflix, starring our very own Martin Henderson and a little bit of Daniel Gillies. Are you a fan of this small-town soap, Bridget? 
James, this might be the best show on TV right now, <laughs> and I am being deadly serious. Yep, yep. <laughs> we are in season four of Virgin River, a show that someone, <coughs> James, uh, may have described as a, and I quote, second tier Yellowstone. Uh, that's wrong. It is far less dusty, far more damp, and it's a romantic tale for the ages, with very few cowboys in sight. The story is pretty straightforward, unsurprisingly. Uh, Mel is a midwife who, three seasons ago, showed up in a small town after some personal tragedies. Jack is the man about town, barkeep, hotel owner, with a troubled past. And you can guess what happens very slowly over about two and a half seasons next Along with the love story, sorry, that's a spoiler alert, but we're in season four. Catch up, people. There are country characters and dramas. It's the exact kind of small town melodrama that you want from this sort of easy watching show. A lot of the goodwill towards the show, and there is a lot because it tops the Netflix charts every time it's released, comes from the fact that many of us watched it during lockdown and global pandemics. So it was pure comfort TV. It was the mac and cheese of binge watching. It's not sexy, it's not salacious, it's just a little soapy and completely harmless. I'm pregnant, and I don't know who the father is. The Moody Broody Jack is played by Martin Henderson, Stuart from Shortland Street. He's a star now. He's made it. I'm almost a convert, Bridget, I have to say. I mean, it's one of those American shows where something will happen every five minutes. It's in the same wheelhouse as This Is Us or A Million Little Things, but with that small town country feel. There's a place for these kind of shows and there's an audience for these kind of shows. It is proper escapism and yet it feels sort of down to earth. I think people are going to lose their weekends to this. My classic cut for this week is a film from the early 90s. It's uh, going to be on TVNZ Duke tomorrow night, but you can also catch it on Google Play and iTunes to rent at the moment. Famously at the cinema I worked at in early 1994 was one of the rare mistakes from our projection team but they played the start of this instead of Schindler's List. Let's just say that was a near disaster and riot because it opens with a firefight. (laughs) It's Demolition Man. It's one of the craziest sci-fi action satires that you'll ever see. It's Stallone meets Wesley Snipes. It's Sandra Bullock in one of her best extended cameo roles, if you like. How was the fiendish Simon Phoenix apprehended back in the 20th? It took just one man, John Spartan. You mean the demolition man? It's full of memorable one-liners, a brilliant idea of the future, including one where Taco Bell is the only fast food chain to survive the kind of apocalypse. You're not allowed to swear. As we get closer to 2032, the year in which this is set, mainly, it just feels more and more prescient. So let's recap what was on today's show. What We Do in the Shadows is on Neon Drops Every Thursday. Persuasion is on Netflix now. Old Man is on Disney+. Plus. Virgin River Season 4 is on Netflix. And my classic cut, Demolition Man on Duke, Google Play and iTunes. Well, that's a wrap for another week. We'll be back next Friday. By the way, if you follow Stuff to Watch on Apple or Spotify, or any podcast app actually, you'll get each new episode delivered a few hours ahead of its official release. So maybe you should go do that. You'll find all the links at stuff.co.nz slash stuff to watch. Thanks to my guest, Bridget Jones. Thanks, guys. And Kylie Klein-Nixon. Cheers, fellas. And to producer Chris Reed. I'm James Crute, and I've been finding you Stuff to Watch.